Welcome back to West Beth. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 20, Scared Very Straight. Mary, what happened this week? Steve wears heart sunglasses. Also, he decides he hates living at Keg House. Brandon suggests that he move into Andrea's dorm since she's going to move in with Jesse after they get married. They get to the dorm just in time to see David acting sketchy with a bag and cops arrest people at the dorms. And that's literally everything that happens with Steve. <laughs> like, ugh, I don't even want to talk about Brandon in this episode. But this first thing reminds me of how Brandon shows up at the keg house after the party the next day and is just like, see, man, I told you you'd hate it here. Like, Brandon just always has to be right. It's Brandon is a walking I told you so. He he had an attitude this whole episode. <laughs> He's had an, an attitude for the last couple of episodes just because of the whole <laughs> Dylan thing. Like, get over yourself, Brandon. I know, and, like, I felt so bad because, like, Steve is clearly very hungover and is just, like, I can't keep up with all this partying. Mm -hmm. And Brandon's just, like, yeah, man, I told you so. And then Steve tells him about that horrible drinking game, which I think is only mostly horrible for Steve, and I have to wonder if they started doing it because of Steve. Well, yeah, if it was John Sears who started it, then it absolutely was to torment Steve. And then after he was, like, kicked out or whatever, it probably just kept going. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm going to be honest. I don't know what uh, old sitcom I would do that with, but I think that sounds really fun. Yeah, let me just, think. like, turn a sitcom into a drinking game. Well, I mean, to be fair, like, I know we talked about WandaVision earlier today, but the way that it's gone through the different decades and shown, like, paid homages to various TV shows that have been iconic throughout the years – like, it made me think, oh, what were people in the 90s, like, what sitcoms were they watching? What, you know, what was on television at the time? Um, and, like, even when it got to kind of our era and, like, they did the thing for Full House and, like, and I don't know if y'all have gotten there yet, but, like, it's just so cool. And so it just made me think the same thing. Like, when I saw this, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. What sitcoms were they watching? Was it Family Ties? You know, was it, um, you know, Growing Pains or something like that? Like, what was on at the time? Yeah, and, like, that's a good point. I have no idea about syndication and stuff because I imagine, you know, I Love Lucy and Bewitched. Like, that's the old sitcoms for the 90s, whereas, like, we're, like, oh, my gosh, Full House. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would love to turn Bewitched into a drinking game somehow. I feel like that could be fun. Oh, it totally could. I mean, every time Samantha wrinkles her nose, like, take a drink. <laughs> Oh my gosh, and bringing it right back to 90210 because of Kelly. It's, Look full, at us. it's full circle. That's what it is. Full house, full circle. Full. I was trying to do one of those like before and after things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't think of it. Full. Oh. Keg house. It doesn't work because no. a house doesn't start with anything. Or, like, start a show, but it was, like, you could connect Full House and Hartley House would be ideal, but you can't. I have nothing. And, I mean, yeah, that's that's really what happens to Steve is he can't keep up with the drinking and he doesn't want to be hungover all the time anymore. 
So he wants to move out. Like Mary said, Brandon is like, oh, well, I know Andrea is moving out, so you could probably have her dorm. Which, first of all, I don't think that's how that works. And second of all, I did not think about the fact that Andrea and Jesse would need to live together. (laughs) I mean, it's a fair point because, like, I kind of forgot that Jesse has his own place. I mean, we've seen it. Like, last episode we saw it. And I kind of forgot that was just, like, his place and that he's older and not a college freshman like Andrea. I know. And, like... I don't know. I guess I was thinking that he would move into the dorms a la Boy Meets World style when they lived in the married dorms. Oh, my God. The married dorms. Oh, that was a trying time for they didn't even have a ship name back then. But Corpanga? (laughs) (laughs) Tapori. Tapori. (laughs) They're all good. They're both good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what if they had married dorms back then? Surely surely they were there, like the family housing or whatever. Like, we still had that when we were in school. Yeah, I just assumed, like, I don't know, I guess Jesse would move in with her or that they would just keep living separately and just be like, oh, yeah, my husband, and never address it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Steve, Steve's cute, though, because, like, of course he's always – the life of the party even if he's starting to hate partying because like at the valentine's day dance he shows up in heart glass sunglasses and they're adorable and he gets kelly or yeah it was kelly he gets kelly to dance with him like how cute i just he's always just he's good for a good time steve is always good for a good time right like i think if they hadn't worn him down with like the drinking games about watching tv and we're just like the have fun party drinking i think steve would have like totally survived yeah definitely oh my gosh and that that scene when he's wearing the heart glasses I wrote down that whole little like exchange that they had where he comes up and he's like what no heart costumes and then Brandon goes I wear my heart on my sleeve and then Dylan goes no heart and then I didn't really get this one but Steve turns to Kelly and goes come on you nasty little fun tart let's dance yeah what? <laughs> I have no idea. I had to write it down because I was like, okay. I mean, let's be real. This whole episode was so kind of serious. It didn't have a lot of good quotes. So I'm just going to go ahead and reveal that Steve saying, you nasty little fun tart, was basically <laughs> my quote of the week. <laughs> That's good because that was the only quote I wrote down. Same. <laughs> I wrote down a different one. Oh man, now oh, I need I to can't know wait what to hear is. it. I know. Oh, Got to wait yeah, till I mean, the end. <laughs> love it. Turning the tables. I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's it for Steve, right? Yeah. All right, Mary. What else happened? All right, do you want the one sentence or, like, the paragraphs? (laughs) I'll just do both, and you can decide when you edit. How about that? (laughs) Just do both. Okay. In case you couldn't tell, Brandon is still salty about Dylan buying into the peach pit. Also, he's fucking Lucinda. (laughs) Okay. Here's the real one. Brandon points out that Brenda only dates rich guys. Brenda's like... Is this because of your weird peach pit Dylan feelings? 
Brandon says the peach pit used to be his home, and now that his friend half owns it, he feels like a guest. And it's definitely Dylan's fault, not just because he hasn't been working there for a while. He says he'll find some new spicy place to hang out instead. By that, he means Lucinda's apartment. The masks on the wall watch as she tries to reject him. <laughs> She's busy trying to write an anthropology lesson about the history of Valentine's Day. Brandon gets all pushy and they bang again or whatever. Andrea asks Brandon to give her away to Jesse at her courthouse wedding. Thanks, I hate it. Andrea and Jesse have or want to have their reception at the peach pit. Brandon gets all weird and is like, you should really ask Dylan these things, but I'll talk to him for you. Apparently, by talk to Dylan, Brandon meant continue to be passive aggressive and weird about Dylan half owning the place he used to work. Brandon leaves the Valentine's party, but first he steals cookies to feed to Lucinda at her apartment. Brandon spends another night with Lucinda and asks her to be his Valentine. Just all of it. Just ew. I kind of like sort of think that Brandon's met his match with the intensity by which Lucinda kisses. <laughs> because like I I still he still eats her face, but she seems she's been the first one that seems game, you know? Like she seems like she's up for it. Yeah, I mean there's that one scene after he's given her the cookies, which like you know those were the dollar cookies at the store because they're college students and he's like, I brought you some cookies. Like yeah. yeah, you you brought me a crappy chocolate chip cookie. Thank you. Well, and who knows like how many grubby frat brothers' hands had touched those cookies. <laughs> those cookies were probably bought like a week ago. Mm hmm And they just are still there. Yep. But then after that, like she is aggressor is not the right word but she's like the dominant personality in that whole scene so it's mm -hmm. like yeah maybe this is the first time that like brandon cannot fully unhinge his jaw and <laughs> attack someone else yeah, i can see there being like a scene with an overlay of like the really soothing voice british guy who does the nature documentaries is like and here we see the brandon walsh <laughs> Watch as he unhinges his jaw to attract his mate. <laughs> I'm just thinking like you can see him getting angry. <laughs> this is really how he shows his plumage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I that's what I imagined when you said unhinged his jaw. <laughs> but like really, now I just want to see a nature document documentary of all of the times that Brandon flirts with people, which we might get because apparently Lucinda's a documentarian. Oh my God, I didn't even like put two and two together. Yes. <laughs> so we could have footage of Brandon in the wild and have a voiceover to it. No, when she said she wanted to like make a documentary or whatever she says, and he's like, I didn't know you wanted to be a filmmaker. I was waiting for her to be like, it's documentarian, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Well, he should have been like, Oh, you make movies? I've been in one once. Or, like, I've acted before. Right? Like, oh, you know, I was on TV once. I could give you some pointers. Mm -hmm. I bet, you know, you might not know this, but I was in that one episode of that one show. God. Oh, my God. And how great would it be, like, if she was just, oh, my God, I remember that show. That guy threw so much water <laughs> on your face. <laughs> 
I was imagining that's how he trains her. Just, you have to be prepared for anything. Act through this water being dumped on your face. (laughs) Just yelling at her while he's throwing bucket after bucket. Keep filming. This is real life. Don't react. (laughs) Oh, my God. The amount of spinoffs that we've created for this show. (laughs) They're all gold. Every single one of them. Every single one. No bad ones. No bad ones. (laughs) Not a single one. (laughs) Um, But, okay, I want to, like, backtrack to the beginning of the episode because, I mean, we basically talked about him and Lucinda. Like, it's really creepy. They're both really aggressive. And then they keep doing it. And that's about all I want to talk about. Yeah, the only thing I'll add is that, like, at first, Lucinda was, like, actually considering keeping them friends because of the whole, like, teacher-student relationship kind of aspect. And then that's kind of when she says, well, eventually I won't be a teacher anymore and then I'll be fine. But then she just gives in anyway. So, like, it is it is interesting to see how Lu- Lucinda has kind of changed her tone a little bit. And I kind of hate that she was only aggressive to him when she was in her marriage. I actually, that is a good point. I forgot about that because when he first shows up, she's like, you know, normally people call first. And then, like, she says that he's told her they were incompatible before, that it's too much for her to handle. She's trying to be rational. Um, She doesn't want to hear how he's talking about her. We can't do this over and over and over again. And, like, it just kind of brought back up the memories of how many times he said no to her and she kept advancing and now he's not listening to her say no. And I was just like, I just, I hate this. I hate this a lot. I don't Mm want to do this. And then speaking of her being married, everyone is talking shit about this woman and how like when Brandon tells her that Andrea is getting married, she's like, Oh, good for her. And he's like, what you believe in marriage? Yeah, he, like, can't possibly imagine that, like, just because she and her husband divorced that she could still believe in marriage. I don't – yeah. Yeah. It it was one of, like – I don't want to call it a classic Brandon neg, but, like, <laughs> kind of? Kind of. Yeah. Well, and then even Donna, like, in the anthro class or whatever class – I forget what the name of the class is. But in the classroom, Donna basically calls her a floozy. But, like, then Kelly, like, kind of starts to idolize her a little bit. Like, you can see her, she has, like, hard eyes. She's like, oh, she's fascinating or something like that. I I have started just, like, writing down things and wondering <laughs> if they're going to be foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Because to talk about that and then, like, kind of bring it back to, like, the first time we really see Brandon is when Brandon is in the back of the peach pit giving Willie, I think his name is, um, giving Willie grief about stacking boxes in front of the vent and then Willie being like, it's Suzanne. I've told her a hundred times or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's going to be some foreshadowing of Suzanne doing something stupid and costing the peach pit money or, you know, causing some sort of problem. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, when Donna says that in the class later to Kelly, I was like, well, Kelly ran off with someone's boyfriend. Is Lucinda going to run off with someone's boyfriend? We shall see. Yeah, I mean, it could be nothing, but I just kept writing things down and being like, 
It's foreshadowing. I know it. I'm so smart. My theory on this is probably really stupid, but um, with all of this talk of um, Lucinda being a documentarian and then them panning up and focusing on that gargoyle on the wall for half a second, I feel like there's a hidden camera and she's going to do something like she's going to blackmail Brandon or some shit because that's just where my brain goes. Well, I mean, think about it. We've been trained to focus on what the camera focuses on. And and I literally, like, I quite literally mean it, you know, when the camera goes in focus and out of focus on various things. Like, whatever's in the forefront, sometimes they go to the background and they focus on that even while two people in the foreground are still talking. Like, we've been trained <laughs> to look at this stuff. And I just have to imagine that... Beverly Hills, especially being the kind of show that it is, and especially being like, you know, the popularity that it had and kind of the um, the iconic show that it became, I have to believe they do it too. So yeah, I noticed that too about the gargoyle thing. I was like, why why do I have to look at this for so long? <laughs> like, but like, let me look at the details. <laughs> let me capture this in my mind. <laughs> yeah, like look at his eyes. Mm-hmm. I just thought of something else. What if Lucinda resents Brandon for breaking up her marriage and she is now his nemesis and she is going to cost him his chances to meet the president? Ooh. Oh, my goodness. I like, like that one. <laughs> because now she has, presumably, if there is a hidden camera in this gargoyle, she has evidence of him coming onto her and her being like, no, this is wrong good point no oh my gosh this like okay you know how a lot of shows now will like introduce a character and it's a villain and you know they won't kill the villain or just be like oh well they're definitely going to jail and then like two seasons later that villain comes back Mm -hmm. I want Lucinda to be a return villain (laughs) and just to be like Brandon ruined my marriage he you know, I don't know, cost me something, 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 hurt my reputation, blah, blah, blah. Like just holding a grudge against Brandon and being like this slow con for the rest of the season. If this doesn't happen, I'm writing the fan fiction about it. (laughs) (laughs) I will say she gives me hella Rose vibes from Jane the Virgin. Like, right? She's that kind of confident, sexy, like, very sure of herself woman who does what she wants and gets what she wants and I feel like she's like Rose from Jane the Virgin and I feel like with her class and the fact that she's like an anthropology you know doctoral student and whatnot like she knows enough about history and human interaction and the way that people do things Mm -hmm. that that like primes her to be manipulative no definitely yeah Man, now I kind of like Lucinda. Crap. <laughs> she just had to but become like, a villain, guys. <laughs> ugh, I, I mean, I'm convinced that we're building her up in our minds and she's just going to be like, I don't know, actually wanting to sleep with Brandon for some reason. Right, right. I don't that's buy the it. other thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing, too, is like. I think I've, I may have actually talked about this before on the podcast, but it's like we're also totally like, like 
I don't know, conditioned to need drama too. Because it's like when I watch that movie Boyhood and literally nothing happens the entire movie, I'm like, they get in the car, they're going on a road trip. I'm like, they're going to get in a crash. Where's the car crash? <laughs> no car crash happens. They just, they go from point A to point B very safely. But we're so used to seeing chaos. No, I remember watching that movie with you and being so tense the whole time. Because <laughs> like, there's even a scene where they're like throwing throwing stars or like a gear or something very sharp. And I was like, someone's going to lose a finger. Right. Someone's going to get that in their leg. And then nothing happened. Nothing happens. It's like they took, what, 11, 12 years to make this movie to have nothing happen. It's crazy. No, I, I definitely get what you're saying. Like, we're expecting more drama. Like, it can't just be that Lucinda exists in this world and wants to sleep with Brandon. She has to, like, Emily Valentine. Right. And want to light shit on fire. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of I want that content, so yeah, it, it would work for me. So there's the Lucinda stuff. There's that like weird comment about Suzanne stacking boxes in front of the vent. And then, yeah, pretty much the rest of the episode, Brandon is just really salty about Dylan having money still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he like reacts poorly at the peach pit. He makes snide comments to people, like even – to Andrea about like where she should have her wedding reception like of course he can be the one to say yes you can have it there like uh, anyway not important because it doesn't really matter who's saying it it's the fact that Brandon is being passive aggressive about it and is still just simply upset that a place that he worked at is now owned by somebody he knows how silly is that that would be like the Chick-fil-a that I went to Every Friday before a football game in high school is now owned by somebody I went to high school with, and I'm mad about that. Yeah, it'd be like, I'm literally thinking of my high school job. It'd be like if the Build-A-Bear that I worked at at the <laughs> mall got a manager that I also knew, and I was just like, well, you weren't there when I did all that hard work building bears. <laughs> You just threw money at the situation. You don't know what it takes to build a bear. Anyone can do the heart ceremony, but you really have to feel it, Dylan. <laughs> they used to have my shirt hung on the wall. <laughs> In a frame. He's the, one He's the one that took it down. He could get another shirt. God. Not with the Peach Pits money problems. He's got to take the one off the mannequin. Oh, my gosh. And then he even, like, he's passive aggressive, but he does even make the comment to Dylan at the party, right? Like, first of all, when Andrea was talking to him about the reception, he was like, oh, you want to have it at my house? Cindy will be so excited. I was just like, oh, my God, Brandon. It also confirms what we've always said, that Cindy gets zero heads up <laughs> and the kids just throw a party on top of her but she delivers man does cindy deliver <laughs> i i truly do love this show's awareness of it <laughs> cindy is just ready to throw a kosher wedding I, like, like she's probably like do you need a huppah <laughs> i can go build one real quick i just love it like this is it's one of those things where i almost like want to be able to confirm that the writers did this on purpose because like nowadays i feel like 
we can find that out from current shows. But I just love that that has been so consistent from day one. It's one of my favorite things about the show. No. <laughs> and he even says it and she's like, no, <laughs> I wasn't going to ask her. That's inappropriate. Gosh. And, you know, she says she wants to have it at the Peach Pit. They go to the party. And I don't remember exactly what Brandon says, but, like, he asks Dylan, you know, hey, Andrea was talking about having her reception at the Peach Pit. And Dylan's just like, oh, yeah, like, this is a set deal because you manage the Peach Pit. Like, what do you think? And Brandon's just like, I don't know. I don't own it. And then walks away. I just wonder, like, there's got to be something else going on. This is me again, like, over since it, like – over whatever dramatizing this thing analyzing yeah over analyzing and overthinking because i'm like brandon's always known dylan's had money and he's never really like expressed a big issue with it before but maybe this is the first time it's like affected him in some way i don't know because i mean if you think about it he didn't even go to dylan when he was having his gambling problems he went to steve for money yeah I don't know. I I have a hard time with Brandon and Dylan's relationship. Like, as far as I'm concerned, they're not friends. Yeah. Because Brandon, in the first season, had a problem with Dylan dating girls. Mm-hmm. Like, he'd be like, oh, I liked her. Or when, uh, was it Cheryl? Which is the one, his girlfriend from Minnesota? Yeah, Cheryl with an yeah. S. Cheryl. Yeah. Yeah, like, when she came out, and he, that was when he, like, he punched broke the him. glass at the bar, right? Yeah, yeah he punched that. him in the face. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I'm just convinced that they're not actually that good of friends. Yeah, I'd agree, which is sad. It's sad because, like, that little thing in the opening credits where they, like, open the door and then, like, flex at each other, love it. I know. I don't get the animosity, like... Which one of them pulled, like, yeah, did Dylan save Brandon from falling off a cliff? Yes. yes. And that was after Brandon supported him with his alcohol problem. Like, what happened to the friendship? I know. I there know. were so many good parts. And then they just decided that money was going to get in the way. Because they even got over the girls. They were just like, hey, man, remember that time that, like, you said I could punch you in the face if a girl came between us? And he's like, yeah, I remember that. Let's not punch each other in the face. Mm-hmm. And then now they just care so much about money. So well, weird. Brandon cares about money. Yeah. I don't get uh, – I just don't understand why he's acting like this. And if they don't answer the question soon, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, he said that to Dylan. Like, Dylan has to know, like, there's got to be something going on. Because Dylan was, like, snippy to him last episode about, like, why don't you go into the operating room and tell the doctor how to do their job? Mm-hmm. And now Brandon's like, well, I can't tell anyone to do anything at the Peach Pit because I'm not a partner in the business. Like, they're being real snippy with each other. And I kind of get the feeling that, like, because so much is happening right now that, like, the writers are like, Brandon doesn't have time for this because he's with Lucinda, and Dylan doesn't have time for this because he's got to go help David. Well, that and, like, the whole Erica and Suzanne stuff, which is taking a back seat this episode. So, yeah, it's like, when would they have had time to, like, deal with this? Yeah, I noticed a lot of the, like, 
big stuff took a backseat this time. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't see Erica and Suzanne. Lucinda mentioned the task force. Mm-hmm. But once again, we have not seen Brandon go to it. Right. Where, when do you meet? Do you go? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is the force, like, nationwide? Like, is everyone just alone in their little corner of the world until they all come together to meet the president? <laughs> the force is just um, the Star Wars force. And <laughs> it's... You just it's just flowing through oh, it's everything. It's everything. It's it's in you. It it is you. And so you just do these tasks that the force force calls you to do, and you're on the task force. <laughs> Higher education, and then you get to meet the president if you if you are one with the force. <laughs> I'm like I'm losing my mind right now just <laughs> picturing Brandon in like Jedi robes and just like trying to do Jedi shit. He would look better than his basketball outfit. Oh my god, you're so right. <laughs> he is so um Anakin though. Like he is He is. He's very Anakin. Oh my gosh, he really is. We've been watching <laughs> I don't even remember the name of it. It's one of the Star Wars cartoons on Disney Plus. And like it's Anakin between Attack of the Clones and when he becomes Vader. Um, you're watching like, Clone Wars. Yes. Yes, I am. Thank you. It's Nate's favorite thing. That's why I know about it. <laughs> but yeah, seeing a lot of Anakin. I could see Brandon doing like half of those things. Mm-hmm. Did I tell y'all about our rewatch of the prequels, like, over Christmas? No. (laughs) Like, we watched, we decided to watch Star Wars, and we only watched the first three in chronological order. And I don't know why we picked them, but oh my god, if Phantom Menace isn't the best out of the three, (laughs) first of all. (laughs) No, you're so right. Like, we started watching the cartoon, and then, like, one day, I think we were in between soccer games. And the Clone Wars was on TV, so I just, like, threw it on. It was after, uh, I think it was after Anakin, like, kills everyone on Tatooine, and it's, like, right after that. So they're in the ship, and he's like, no, he was an animal, and I killed him like an animal. And I was like, <laughs> this is not good. Nope. Um, like, it hit me much earlier, because those movies came out when, what, we were, like, early teens. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think it was the second one. Um, Anakin and Padme are like in a field with some big giant cow alien things and um, they're like sitting there and he's just like yeah I could get behind space fascism for the right reasons (laughs) (laughs) just kidding let's make out and then he just goes on to be a fucking space fascist (laughs) and she's surprised (laughs) oh my god it was all Uh, there (laughs) All right in front of us. <laughs> how could we have not seen it coming? God, how did Obi Wan not see it coming? Obi Wan was, was busy blinded. chasing um, the Fets or whatever. Oh yeah, fair point. I think, or maybe that was the third movie. Well, but regardless, I don't remember. I yeah, yeah. I only watched that one part, and then 
the soccer game started and I was like, I don't need to keep watching Star Wars. <laughs> also, can we talk about how they cloned, was it Django, to make all of the clone troopers? And I was like, why wouldn't you clone someone that's a better shot? True. <laughs> it's true. They're all so bad. And watching seven seasons of a cartoon makes it stand out so much more than the movies. And well, and also, they've like, been the training story- since, like, sorry, not birth, no, no, no. but. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. A hundred percent. And how do they not have better armor? The stormtroopers die as soon as they get shot. <laughs> wrap them in plastic because it's probably cheaper to make more clones than it is to arm the ones they have probably yeah also the idea that we have these cartoons and they gave the like specific clone storylines in the cartoons and i'm just like no these are like you made these to be expendable Mm -hmm. there's even an episode where they get stranded in space and all the clone troopers are like no one's coming for us and they have one jedi with them and that's why Anakin has to go out and search for them, is to find the Jedi, not to find the troopers. Like, they fully acknowledge if there was no Jedi with them, they would have been left to die in space. Oh, yikes. It's they're a whole thing. Like, they're so expendable. Poor guys. So... Shit's fucked anyway. up, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was Star Wars 10 minutes. Thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did we finish Also. <laughs> I I think I only have one thing left. When he goes to have dinner with Andrea and Jesse and they made mole poblano and they put it on his plate and he just has that face. He goes, what is this? He turned his like, nose up. like, oh yeah, up. Brandon only eats burgers. Yeah, he turned his nose up so high and like did the like frowny like mm, face and that was rude, Brandon. Try it he first. only eats mega burgers. God. Doesn't like dim sum. Doesn't like mole, only eats mega burgers. Doesn't like dim sum, but will brag about having eaten it. (laughs) Oh my god. What if he just like put the mole down and was like, did I tell you about the time I tried dumplings? We really should have had dumplings here, guys. (laughs) Oh, Andrea, you weren't there, but for uh, Donna's anniversary, we had Chinese food. It was fancy. He just, like, sits there talking about how amazing Chinese food is. And it's like, no, no. I don't eat. Um, I'm sorry. What, what, ta- tacos? <laughs> ta- ta- is it taco for plural as well? Is it like pan- panini? The pa- panini? <laughs> I- I'm sorry. I don't eat moles. <laughs> God, Brandon's That's all I had to say worst. about that. <laughs> I just like I try so hard not to shit on him all episode long but he's just like so salty and he refuses to try new foods and he's aggressive towards Lucinda and Dylan and mean to Brenda for no reason like he's just like oh what are you gonna date the Sultan of Brunei next like I don't even mean to be putting on the affectation but I just like he sounds snooty he just yeah, it's like he he just has all of these complexes and he can't possibly let anything go. So it's just a bad combination. I mean, he's probably the most human out of all of them, to be honest. But, like, that doesn't mean we can't not like his qualities. 
like, I don't know. Brenda dated two rich guys. Like, like big deal. And they're in Beverly Hills. Like, I think, you know, David says it when they're going to the party later that, like, not everyone we're going to meet is from Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you live in Beverly Hills, it kind of makes sense that the people you date are from Beverly Hills. Right. Right. Yeah. That'd be, like, you know, me going to Georgia for college and expecting to meet people from Florida or from Texas. You know, it's like you go to the home state school, you're going to meet people from your home state. It's, uh, Brandon is being, like, weirdly classist. And, like, he's doing his whole, like, I have Midwestern standards and therefore I'm better than you. Right. And mm-hmm. I have to work for my money and therefore I'm better than Dylan and uh, Stuart. It's like he's Stuart. He's just Stuart. jealous of he's jealous of the privilege that Dylan people like Dylan and Stuart have because he he thinks he worked for his privilege, not that he was born into it, just like Dylan and Stuart were. No, he's salty about it. Because, like, it's not like Jim doesn't have money. Right. They sent Brenda to France last minute, Mm -hmm. which, of course, Brendan will also never let anyone forget. True. But anyway, I think that's all I have about Brandon. Me too. All right, Mary. David? Mel threatens David with rehab if he doesn't get his shit together and be a good boy. David, the guy who presumably spent his rent money and the rent money Donna gave him on drugs, tells Mel he's not an addict. Then he tells Mel he needs more money for rent than he actually needs. He gets his landlord to give him the balance in cash and immediately goes to buy more drugs. David tells Donna he's trying really hard to be good. Donna stops by to pick up a dress from the beach house and invites David to go to a Valentine's dance with her. David meets up with his friend, Happy Jack, at the dorms. David warns Happy Jack that these guys are a Dato meth, but it's okay to say no. Later, Donna picks David up for the dance and brings him something to wear. David tells her Happy Jack is coming with them. Donna's like, when I asked you to go with me to this Valentine's dance, I kind of meant for it to be a date. David doesn't give a fuck. Happy Jack gets kicked out of the party for doing drugs in the rec room, just in front of people. David defends him in front of people. Dylan talks to David about him being the reason he didn't lose his shit after his dad died. He tells him he's willing to return the favor. David's paranoid drug dealer thinks the dorm is going to get busted. He gives David a backpack full of drugs to hold on to until the mess blows over. David leaves with the bag of drugs like as soon as the cops show up. David calls Dylan for help with his drugs problem. Dylan tells him to flush all of it because his dealer is probably going to tell the cops where the drugs are. David tells Dylan to do it, but Dylan's like, no, you. They flush bags and bags and bags and bags and bags of drugs. I guess good for David for holding himself accountable. Literally, as soon as they're done flushing, the cops show up. The cops detain them and search the whole beach house, but they don't find anything and leave a big mess. I have so many feelings about this. Same. Like, I'm really glad that David gets off all the drugs and like, I'm really glad that it all like wraps up. Mm-hmm. But the, like the very first thing that you see in this episode is Donna, like still believing David and being like, we need to go talk to him and we need to make up. And like, he is better. I believe he's better. And I'm just like, Oh guys, I know it's like, 
Kelly's still feeling like she wants to give tough love, but Donna just has this, like, life will turn out fine, believe people when they tell you things, like, trusting nature about her, which is normally great, but it's, it is a little naive. Um, and, yeah, so essentially they're kind of in the same position they were in last episode with believing that David, well, at least Donna believing that David was done, Kelly wanting to give tough love and all that. Then, and this is like where I have lots of feelings, we see David talking to Mel. David tells Mel that Kelly overreacted, which is, I guess, she reacted. I wouldn't say she overreacted. And then Mel is finally saying, well, I'm going to talk to your therapist. I'm not going to put you in rehab, but the second you do anything with drugs again, you're going into rehab. So thankfully, because we talked about this a few episodes ago, like if this was mentioned, why didn't they take him to rehab? At least we get that now. And it like happened, you know, we see a conversation about it. So I am happy about that. He probably should have already done it, but at least it's like on his brain, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And to be honest, originally when David said like what the rent was, I thought it was because he had to pay last month's and this month's, not that he was just telling him a higher amount to get drugs. So I was kind of like Donna at this point and thought he was off the drugs. So with their rent, when he said 620, at first I thought he meant his portion of the rent Mm. because that makes sense, right? And then Mel was just like 620 and he was like, we live on the beach in a really, you know, high rent area. And so I did look it up. And if you just go by inflation and not, you know, housing inflation, which is vastly different, $620 in 1984 is about $1,100 in today's money. Whoa. Which is just about my mortgage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I live in a one bedroom in like a relatively low cost of living area. And they're getting a three bedroom apartment beachfront. In California. In California. Yeah. That's crazy. No, I definitely looked up apartments, three bedroom apartments in California today. Because I was just like, I'm just curious. <laughs> and yeah, no, they're like $3,000 today oh my gosh that's crazy no but then you find out later that their rent is actually only 450 dollars they only pay or 470 dollars they only pay like 150 dollars a bedroom and i was just like oh my god i wish i grew up in an earlier age you long for the days (laughs) when things didn't quite cost so much um but yeah it really this that scene where the landlord shows up and he's like, oh, yeah, I know you're good for it. And then he's like, oh, well, yeah, my dad made the checkout wrong. Do you mind, you know, like, what can we do here? And the dude just gives him the money. I'm like, my heart just breaks. I'm like, no, David, no. It felt like before it really hit me that David essentially spent over $700 on meth. In the last few weeks, it, like, kind of hit me. You know, so the landlord comes in, which is really weird that he just, like, they opened the door and he just came in. Mm-hmm. Um, but then David says that his dad made the checkout for the wrong amount and the guy just gave him cash without being like, uh, you're scamming your father. Right. 
or even making sure like, the check like goes through first. <laughs> yeah, right? Like he was like I haven't met a deadbeat yet and I was like that's a personal check, sir. Yeah, right. You should cash that. <sighs> it was just such and, a sad scene. You know, and like I do appreciate like you said that you know, Mel shows up and is like if you know, I don't see that you're actually making improvements. I will pull you out of school and put you in rehab. And it, you know, all of this is making me think like they probably don't know how bad it's getting for David Mm -mm. because it's not like now, like they're doing things, you know, not just the drugs on a cash basis, but like no one, none of these people are seeing that David spent all of last month's rent or whatever plus his own money, plus he stole money from people. Like, he stole drugs. Like, no one is all – like, no one is seeing the whole picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. So it's like, how could Mel possibly, quote-unquote, see this if he hasn't seen it before and still isn't seeing it? Because David, even during that conversation with Mel, is still on drugs. He just took them for his radio show. And then when he went to Andy's dorm room to get more. Yeah, I mean, like, so that's, you know, we've been saying, if Mel knows, why hasn't he already pulled him out? Why hasn't he already put him into rehab? And it's like, oh, because he doesn't know. Mm -hmm. He knows that, like, David has taken meth, which still, I feel like you hear meth come out of your child's mouth and you're just like, I'm sorry, what? That that was kind of my thought, too. It's like, if it was weed... I think it would have been, like, less shocking. But even, like, cocaine to some degree, I would have been like, all right. But meth, you hear so many. Like, meth and heroin are, like, in the same vein, right? Like, you hear them talked about in the same circles. And now with, like, things like fentanyl and, like, stuff like that and the opioid crisis and stuff. It's like there's clear delineation between certain types of hard drugs, even within the hard drug category. And so, yeah, it's like, if I find out my child tried meth and is now addicted to it, there would be no second chance to go get it again. Like, you're going to rehab now. The first taste, (laughs) you're going. Right. And, like, they keep saying, like, oh, I'm not addicted. And I was like, but, like, that's the argument. of Like, no, I'm totally fine. I just dabble in it. Right. I'm but a casual a I'm a casual meth user. Like, no. <laughs> that that's not no. That's terrifying. But then, like, so his dad does give him the money, and did you notice that David went grocery shopping? Oh, I didn't. Mm-mm. When Donna comes by to get her dress, David walks in with bags of groceries. Oh, yeah. I just didn't even notice it. No, because I I noticed it because I was like, he's actually like weirdly learning to function on meth and (laughs) it's freaking me out. Oh, boy. Because, yeah, like he's grocery shopping. I mean, he's not making good friends. He's making drug friends, but he's making new friends. He got his rent paid and like I did notice it was weird that it made me think of it. But every time he gets like real snippy with Donna, he's like. He's got less of an attitude on meth than he did before. Like, when mm-hmm. he talks to her, he's just like, what, are you going to side with them? Versus I feel like before he'd be a little more yelly. Oh, yeah. 
Definitely. He definitely, like, chills out when he's on meth. Yeah, and so, like, you see, you know, he he's doing groceries. He's telling Donna that he's not doing meth anymore. Like, they're actually having a moderately nice conversation, which is what prompts Donna to invite David to the Valentine's Day dance. Mm-hmm. Which he says yes to and then presumably does more meth and invites Happy Jack to go to this. They kept saying Valentine's dance like it was some like school function and not just a party at Keg House. Right, right. It was just a party and like you had to dress up with something with a heart on it. It really threw, when they got to Keg House, I was like, is this the pregame? Right, right. Before you. So Happy Jack makes me think of, um, I don't remember, his, I think his name was Kyle in the Amanda show. It was Drake, uh, um, <laughs> what's his face? Drake Bell. Drake Bell, yes. It was his character in the Amanda show. I want to say it was Kyle. But yeah. I think it was. That's, you that sounds right. <laughs> Especially the way Happy Jack oh would say, cigarette. <laughs> oh my god. No, like, I, I don't know. They played it, like, really to the point that I actually really enjoyed seeing Happy Jack on screen. Mm-hmm. Like, he was just fun. He just came in and was like, hey, you got a cigarette? I don't have mine. And then he said no. And he was like, okay, I'm going to go listen to music now. Bye. And then he was like, hey, do you have one? I left mine in the car. He's like, no? Okay. <laughs> what does he say? He's like, if you can't use your head, you got to use your feet. Yeah. Like, that's my quote. Guy? Oh, is it? <laughs> If you don't use your head, you have to use your feet. Happy Jack. (laughs) Gosh. I just, and like, (laughs) David, I mean, everything with Happy Jack, like, so when David takes him to see the dealer, he confirms that he does not inject meth Mm -hmm. because you can just say no to doing meth and your dealer doesn't guilt you into doing more meth. At least by way of needle. Ugh, so gross. Yeah. Um, and then when he, like, invites him to go to the Valentine's Day – I'm calling it a party. I'm not calling it a dance. <laughs> he invites him to go to the Valentine's party with Donna. He's just like, yeah, you know, we're thinking of starting a band. Not everybody you meet is going to be from Beverly Hills. Like, it's actually – like, if, if you just took the meth out, they could have been really good friends. Right, right. But then it all turns rather quickly – because, like, even Kelly and Dylan are, like, chatting about the David situation um, when all of a sudden, like, one of the Keg brothers brings David's – or brings Happy Jack out into, like, the main area and, like, yelling at him and, like, caught him snorting it in the bathroom, like, in front of him or in the rec room or whatever, and like, in front of everybody. And all of a sudden, David just, like, jumps all over everybody to defend him. He does, like – He's like, oh, he can't do drugs, but you guys can drink all this alcohol? It's like, David, I don't care if they're both against school rules. One of them is alcohol and one of them is meth. And it's like, yeah, it's like one's a narcotic and the other is something that you can legally purchase at 21, right? Like, nobody can actually legally purchase this drug. I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yes, I agree. It's like two bad things it's kind of that all sins are equal thing but like kind of no 
That's like, yeah, you don't want to like encourage binge drinking, mm-hmm. but like truly one is legal mm-hmm. and like if they get caught, they'll, you know, they might lose their charter and everyone will get like MIP, but right. if they get caught with meth, you're in jail. They will be arrested. Yeah. Um, but then, yes, they, they tell Happy Jack that he has to leave and David goes to leave with him and he's like, come on, Donna. And this is when Donna has this like whole realization that essentially crushes her. And it's just like, you've been lying to me this whole time. I don't want to go with you. Mm-hmm. And so David, you know, storms out. And I think we'd never see Happy Jack again. Yeah, I don't think we do. Because then what we do see instead is like Dylan actually runs out to talk to him, which I at first was like, why? But then, yeah, he explains that he brought up the conversation that David and he had after his dad passed away and how David was kind of like, look, man, I know what you're going through because of what happened with Scott, RIP, sweet baby Scott. And yeah, he just is like, at least here, and this I didn't think about this until we had the conversation about Dylan and Brandon not really being friends. At least here, Dylan and David both acknowledge that they are not friends. They don't really care about each other. But Dylan doesn't want to owe David anything. So he's going to do this this one time because he was there for him when, like, in it, and he reached out to Dylan and helped him when his dad died. So he's like, when you're on the ledge, call me. That's it. Yeah. And then, you know, the next thing we see with David, I believe, is when he's going to see his drug dealer, mm-hmm. who I finally wrote down his name was Andy. Yep. And Andy's freaking out because he thinks somebody ratted him out and that he's going to get caught and he's going to get arrested. And he's like, I haven't even paid for this meth yet, so I'm about to get screwed over in, you know, more ways than one. And he hands David this, like, bag of drugs and is just like, you owe me because it was probably that guy that you brought last time. Mm-hmm. Which, and David, to be fair, probably was. We have no idea. We really don't. I mean, like... Probably Happy Jack does not seem to be quiet about his drug doing. Mm-hmm. But then, like, David runs out literally just in time because the cops come storming in. And I feel like Steve and Brandon just, like, cannot make the connection. Like, it's literally right in front of them. And Steve's and like, just like, it's a fire drill. <laughs> like, people are coming out in handcuffs. You just saw David run out of the place. You know he's got a meth problem. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, man, I didn't think Silver lived in the dorms. Do, 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 do. Like, what? Y'all. I know. It was a little, Um, I mean, I guess it kind of shows how, like, they've been a little out of touch with the whole David, like, situation. Um, Because if it had been Donna and Kelly, they probably would have freaked out and put two and two together and been like, what the, you know, what's going on here? Um, But, yeah, they don't. And, but we do see the cops bring out Andy in cuffs, you know, along with like a few other people and stuff like that. And then um, we're at Dylan's and, and Kelly actually answers the phone uh, when it rings and it's David and he calls for Dylan. So then Dylan immediately goes to the beach apartment where David is like freaking out, smoking a cigarette um, and talking about how to get rid of all these drugs. And David doesn't even know how much drugs is in the backpack because he w- was like too afraid to even open it up. I know, like, my heart went out for him because Dylan even walks in and, like, David catches him up on this situation 
but like Dylan is like, what, you took up smoking too? And he was like, I am freaking out, man. Right. Like, I didn't sleep. I haven't touched any of these drugs. I'm scared to open that bag. Mm-hmm. And then like we find out later when they're, you know, pouring baggie after baggie after baggie in the toilet. But, like, Dylan opens it and it's just, like, this is a lot of drugs, dude. Like, would classify as probably, like, a pretty decent-sized drug bust if it was, like, found by the police. Like, Dylan even makes this call. And I even, like, wrote in my notes. I was, like, this is the correct call. Like, what Dylan's saying is what's going to happen is that Andy has been arrested. He is going to turn other people in for a lighter sentence. And then people who have, like, dabbled in drugs are going to get felony charges, especially David, who has this giant backpack full of drugs. Like, Andy's going to be like, oh, I know about this other dealer. Mm-hmm. And David's going to get screwed. Right. And so and then, so David does agree to flush it. Right. And first he tells Dylan. He's like, Dylan, you have to do it. And Dylan's like, nah, man, you have to do it. Right, because, like, Dylan even makes the point at some point that, like, some part of David wants to keep the drugs, right? Because when David even suggests burying it at the beach instead of flushing it, it's because some part of him still wanted to keep it and still wanted to use the drugs. But Dylan's like, nah, man, flushing is the only way and you have to do it because you have to be responsible for what happens here and you have to show that you're strong enough to stop and not want it anymore. And yeah, they start pouring everything and oh my God, it's so many drugs. It is so many. I really wish I had, like, noted how long that scene was, but I swear it was over a minute of just, like, here's this bag, David. Here's this bag, David. Here's this bag, David. Here's this bag, David. And it was, like, powder, pills, like, all sorts of stuff. So many flushes. (laughs) I know, like, they would have clogged that toilet. Like, this is the part where I was, like, oh, it hits, like, new girl. Right, right. It just... All starts backing up, so they're just, like, shoving it down their shirts. <laughs> and that's the difference between like, a drama and a comedy. <laughs> I know. This whole time I was just thinking of Jess being on the ground and being like, does meth make you feel, like, normal? I said your face is kind of itchy. Oh, wait. That's the carpet. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm absorbing the the meth through my boobs. Mm-hmm. God, that, I love that episode. But yeah, you can take meth in so many ways. Apparently, in orange juice, through the floor, through your boobs. Anyway, um, but yeah, then what the crazy next, this next scene was crazy because the police was like, bang, 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 open up, police, you know, natural stuff. Then all of a sudden, boom, they bust in, immediately detain Dylan and David, immediately and start searching them and then tearing through the apartment, like it was so fast and furious that I was like, is is this legal? Can they do this? And, like, Dylan backs it up later and is like, yeah, they have a search warrant. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, so uh, I don't remember if it was last week's episode or this week's episode of Last Week Tonight, but they literally just covered uh, knock versus no-knock warrants. Mm. And, like, in a lot of states, literally the difference between a knock and a no-knock warrant is – Literally saying, knock, 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 police, and then breaking the door open because the argument they made to, like, write the laws is that if you give someone more than 15 seconds, they have time to flush drugs down the toilet. Interesting. So they, like, literally can do this. They can just break into your place, destroy your stuff, and then, like, 
as long as they have a warrant, it is all legal and nothing can happen. And like, honestly, like at some point in this, Dylan says, you know, just take my lead, do what I do. And then they just are silent for the rest of it. And I was like, I would have peed myself. Oh, yeah. Like at this point, I would have peed myself and I would have been crying and I would have been like, I didn't do anything. And like, thank God they did like, they even flushed the baggies and like, Dylan like gives David this look and David pulls the like tiny little little paper packet mm-hmm. out of his pocket and I was just like oh my god like thank god Dylan was thorough right and like this has to be the whole like scared straight thing of like David is not on meth anymore because his life flashed before his eyes of being arrested at maybe not even 18 at this point with that many drugs I was honestly really afraid that Dylan was going to get legit arrested. Like, a pill had dropped in his pocket or something, and somehow he was going to go down for this. Right? And, like, I I was just thinking about it. I was like, they're going to find the backpack. There's going to be, like, traces of powder. They're going to get arrested. Like, they're just effed. And, I mean, thank God none of that happens. And then I think, like, really the last part of – David's whole storyline is they're at the wedding reception at the peach pit and David is just like thanks Dylan you saved my life Mm -hmm. and thus we assume David is no longer on meth we hope we hope Mary what else happened this week Andrea and Jesse are getting married on Valentine's Day or as Andrea calls it Monday (laughs) Wow, you're not wasting any time, says Brenda, of all people. Andrea's parents think she's throwing her life away and won't have anything to do with the wedding, which is sad. They recast Grandma Rose and gave her a bigger apartment. This must have put her in a good mood because she gives Andrea and Jesse her blessing, and she says she'll try to talk to Andrea's parents and change their mind. Grandma Rose throws Andrea a wedding shower. Jesse shows up at it to tell Grandma Rose to try harder to talk Andrea's parents into coming to the wedding because it would mean so much to Andrea if they weren't dicks about this. Grandma Rose doesn't have any luck doing so, but Jesse steps in and gets them to show up after all, and Brandon doesn't get to give Andrea away, but then he's promoted to best man. I think my favorite part about shows like this is... Like, sometimes it is just so painfully obvious that they didn't bother to hire extras or, like, acknowledge that these people might have other friends. Right. Like, out of – yeah, because Jesse has – like, we know Jesse has friends. Like, he plays softball with, like, other people and, like, all that. But, no, Brandon's the best man and that is it. (laughs) And then at the wedding shower, it's literally just – Andrea, and then she invites Donna, Kelly, and Brenda, and then Jesse's sister and mom are there. Right. Like, that's it. They couldn't hire extras when they put so much food out for five people. Mm-hmm. Also, at the wedding shower, first of all, I love Brenda's card. I feel like it's a little weird to bring up, like, your failed engagement in somebody else's wedding card. But then she picks up the lingerie and... <laughs> His mom, Jesse's mom, is right there. And she's just like, does my son like this? So awkward. Right? I'm just like, oh, that's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. Ugh. 
But yeah, it like that's the thing is like Brenda, read the room. <laughs> Save it for the bachelorette party. But nah. I mean, yeah, we, out of all things, uh, yeah, it made me uncomfortable to say the least. What also made me uncomfortable was the recast of Grandma Rose. I wrote that. I was like, who is this Grandma Rose? <laughs> this is not my Grandma Rose. I don't know this Grandma Rose. But at least she was a good Grandma Rose and gave them her blessing. No, I really loved that, like, Andre was like, Grandma, we're getting married. And Grandma's like, well, duh, you're pregnant. She's like, oh, lucky guess. <laughs> like, I mean, like, Gabrielle, you're like six months pregnant. Right. But I just, I love grandma. Like, she's like, no, you don't get married a month after meeting someone because you just want to. Right, right. She knows. You're not Brenda. That would have been so funny if she actually had said that. Like, even Grandma Rose knows about Brenda and Stuart. <laughs> but yeah, she's just like, you know, they, they think she's not going to approve of their marriage because she didn't approve of Andrea's parents' marriage because Andrea's mother is not Jewish. Mm-hmm. And then Grandma Rose is just like, oh, no, I've moved past all that. Like, celebrate love. You guys do you. You know what? I'm even going to call your mother. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. And and all that and it sucks she doesn't really have a lot of luck you know getting her parents on board because her parents just think that Andrea's throwing her life away she's got more to do so they're just like not accepting this at all not not the marriage not even the baby like all this kind of stuff which is really really sad and I really hope that kind of stuff is I hope it doesn't happen as often as I fear that it does um it just yeah it just sucks for people that don't have supportive parents and things like that. Um, but yeah, so everybody's trying. Grandma Rose is trying. Jesse comes over during the shower to even say try again, which that could have been a phone call, but it's okay because Jesse's just showing his dedication. I know. I really love that he showed up and they're just like, go away. This is girls' time. And he's like, all right, all right. It's yeah. so like he. He literally did a Jordan Bonner of, like, walking into the scene and said, Hi, I'm Jesse," and then walking back out of the scene. Yep. Also, I just got to this part in my notes. I died at the wedding shower when they had cross-cultural burritos. And it was just a brisket burrito. And Brenda also was grossed out by it at first. She was like, what am I eating? (laughs) Like, I didn't write down what the other thing is, but it's essentially just, like, like a wheat meal. So mm-hmm. like instead of rice, you would have that and brisket inside the tortilla and that's your burrito. So I was like, okay, it's basically just a burrito. Yep. Dang Walsh's. And their basic palates. At least Brenda tried it. That's true. Very true. Yeah, um, so really, I mean, the only thing else that happens is like with Andrea is, I'm at least in, according to my notes, is that they all show up to City Hall, and she's about to get married, and boom, her parents show up, and yay. That's it. Yeah. And <laughs> it was a weird episode, because, like, they had the, the person at City Hall mispronounce Zuckerman. Right. Couldn't pronounce Zuckerman. Like, there was just some little weird things. Also, I did not like Andrea's wedding outfit. Like, she looked like an old lady going to 
synagogue. Yep. Like she was literally head to toe. Like classic. Andrea. It was like neck up. Ridiculous. I was like, y'all make her look so old. They do. They lean into her age. It's unfortunate. <laughs> but then, yeah, everybody shows up. They get married. Brandon still gets to be in the wedding. Uh, and then they have the reception at the Peach Pit, and everyone is dancing. And for some reason, Nat has the hora on the jukebox, and they all <laughs> yeah. do the hora. Or he has Hava Nagila on the jukebox, and they all dance the hora. Yep. Cool. And that's Andrea. She's – I don't know if you guys looked at uh, IMDb, but this is the first time I realized she's credited as uh, Andrea Zuckerman Vasquez. She hyphenates. Uh, yes, she does. Of course she does. I totally believe that she does that. The first time she's going to have to, like, write that, like – She's going to have to start putting that on forms. She's going to be like, I regret doing this. A hundred percent. Especially if she is like a doctor. Like, God, her signature is going to be so long. I mean, let's be real. Doctors like have the worst handwriting anyway. So it's just going to be like, la, 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 but a very long. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just going to be like ZV mm-hmm. and then move on. And a bunch of squiggles, maybe. My goodness. Yeah, that's uh, that's Andrea. So let's wrap it up. Brenda writes a mean Valentine to Stuart, who she apparently is still kind of dating. Also, he's just been working on a big project in or for Texas for all of these episodes. But Stuart comes back to surprise Brenda for Valentine's Day, and Jim knew and let her send the letter anyway. Jim is such a dick bag. He's awful. I was so mad at him. Who pulls this kind of prank on your daughter, man? And then they just like wave it off. Just like, ah, good one, dad. Yeah, like Cindy is just like, oh, do you think maybe we should like tell her not to do that? And Jim's like, after what she pulled going to Vegas? That'll teach her. At the end of the episode, when Stuart shows up, she's just like, Dad, you knew? And he's like, oh, well. And she's like, you rascal. <laughs> like, just let it happen. Poor Brenda. <laughs> and I mean, truly, I guess that's all that happens to Brenda. I will say, I was extremely excited when Stuart walked in, though. Like, I did not realize how weirdly I'd missed him. <laughs> But I did. I missed him. I actually was, like, dying when she was talking shit about him. And he was just, like, standing behind her with all the presents. Just like, but I'm here, Brenda. Yeah, he, like, does a little thing that dogs do where they kind of, like, tilt their head a little bit. He's like, what? (laughs) When she's, like, saying the mean things. And then, yeah, Brandon's like, um, turn around, Brenda. And then she's super excited to see him. So. I really... I really wish she would have done the, like, classic, he's right behind me, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep. I would have loved it. But then, yeah, for some reason, he's just like, oh, I had to, like, take an emergency trip to South America. Sorry I never called you. Like, you can't call long distance internationally. And then, yeah, if he really was in Texas, like, why didn't he call? I don't know. <laughs> So this is really dumb, but I just thought 
that I really hope that Stuart was referring to Mexico when he meant South America. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's right. It's it's Texas adjacent. <laughs> and I wouldn't put it past Stuart, <laughs> like weirdly. Poor guy. I just, I just love it. It makes no sense. It makes no sense, but I'm glad he's back. I know. And then she's just like, when you get the letter, burn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, this is wild. Wild. <laughs> How are y'all in a relationship? God, but I, I love them. It. I do too. I ship it. I still I, ship it. <laughs> it's it's the best ship on the show besides Andre and Jesse right now. <laughs> what did we call them? Car Walsh. I was so overjoyed that it was still happening. I mean, like, truly, if you're going to have someone who is so dramatic as Brenda, you need her to be with someone who's like, sorry, I went to South America for a month and forgot to call you. Yeah. Like, you need someone to match that level of drama. It's so on brand for her, though, because Dylan was always like, sorry, got to go to Baja. Right. And then not oh my God, go to what Baja. If Stuart was in Baja. Oh my God. She'd blow a gasket. <laughs> I just, I couldn't. I was dying. I hope we keep Stuart forever. I hope he and Brenda like ride off into the sunset. I do too. I really do. And just go be messy bitches in Texas. <laughs> I want that so badly for them. That's what we need. <sighs> good times good times um so i th- i think that's like for reals it yeah that's for real. i think that's everything that happened um i do have two totally random comments from imdb i looked up you know everybody andy's real name is bo jesse and i just really like that it's like uh justin bobby from the hills yeah he's a. Uh, He's Bo Jesse Christopher. Oh. Well, I love him. I know, right? <laughs> I was like, that's a really fun name. And then I looked up Happy Jack Dornan because I was just curious, like, are we going to see him again? Has he, like, been in anything else? He's only got four acting credits, including this episode. Um, in an episode of Who's the Boss, talking about other sitcoms and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But he has... A writing or an acting credit in a movie called Prayer of the Roller Boys, which is a movie from 1990. In a dystopian near future America, a young man infiltrates a powerful drug dealing, rollerblading youth gang that run his town in order to end their reign for good. Starring Corey Haim. I want to watch this. Wow. It's on Amazon. What's it's, that? I have to. What's it called again? It's Prayer of the Roller Boys. It's like Brink, but with drugs. It's like um, um, Point Break, but with <laughs> rollerblading. Yeah. This sounds great. I can't wait for this. I am so excited. I found this like. 20 minutes ago we were talking about David and I was like I can't bring this up when we're talking about David like having his life flash before his eyes but I have to talk about it 
Right, right. That's awesome. So yeah, I will be watching this immediately. (laughs) And then after that, I can watch next week's episode, which is... Good segue. Next week's episode is season four, episode 21, Addicted to Love. Not drugs. Interesting twist. Right? (laughs) Interesting twist when we just had meth. Addiction problems. Yep. Yep. And it was Valentine's Day. Like, why is this one called Addicted to Love when this one was? Anyway. I have no idea. No, I could easily see this just being, like, about all of the messy relationships. Yeah. Because we got Brenda and Stuart. We got Brandon and Lucinda. We got, you know, Donna and David are eventually going to have to address themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Me too. I can't wait. Uh, well, until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. And you can shoot us an email. Shoot us a love letter like Brenda did to Stuart, but, like, make it nice. Don't do a hate letter. But if you do a hate letter, we promise to burn it afterwards. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But you can send us any thoughts you have um, to our email address at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate review share like subscribe you know all those things uh five stars please we always appreciate your honesty though so you know do what feels right for you but the five stars and the reviews like really boost us up on the charts and whatnot so that we can get seen so that other people can join in the discourse and you know you can tell us about more super exciting movies like the prayer of the roller boys (laughs) in your review or any of those cool sitcoms that were around in the 90s. Um, or not around in the 90s, but like people watched living in the 90s. Because I think that would be fun. Yeah. Tell us if you've ever played a drinking game to a sitcom. Yep. Love it. Yeah. I would even accept Star Wars opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I would love Star Wars opinions. Who do you think everyone on the cast of 90210 would be in the Star Wars universe? It's a good question. I like it. Brannikin. 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 I mean, it's fate. Obi-Wandria. Oh, my God. (laughs) Steve 3PO. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. We got those. You guys got to fill in the blanks. (laughs) So from all of us at Back to Podcast... I'm Happy Jack. I'm Andy. I'm a hidden camera inside of a gargoyle. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. See ya.